Hey, I'm Zanzi and welcome to Farmer's Inside Track, episode 215. I'm your host, Donum Du. Now, operating a successful agribusiness in South Africa is hardly ever restricted to one person. The industry relies on a collective effort, especially on farm level. From agricultural workers to administrators, irrigation specialists and soil scientists. And this means setting up different employment contracts. Food from Zanzi commercial journalist Octavius Pandel chats to Katlejo Nguanye, an agricultural lawyer who gives us the 101 on how to set up an employment contract. Thank you, Dawn. Katlejo Nguanye, legal consultant and owner of Katika Consultancy, thank you for joining us on Farmers Inside Track. So let's kick it off with the first question. Putting together an employment contract can feel intimidating. What are the different terms that an employee and employer need to be aware of when it comes to employment contracts? Hi, Octavia. I think what's important and where we need to start is the fact that we've got two pieces of legislation that regulate employment contracts and what's supposed to be in it. Those are the Basic Conditions of Employment Act and the Labor Relations Act. So if one does not know specifically what they want to put in a contract, they can rely on these two pieces of legislation to guide them in terms of what are the rights of employers and what are the rights of employees and the responsibilities and duties that each party has to one another. In terms of the terms that you put in, a basic contract obviously would include things like what is the role that the person is going to play that has to be stated in the contract, what that role entails in terms of their duties and responsibilities in their work. If we're talking about females, then there must be a clause about maternity leave and how long a person can be on maternity leave. And then obviously just general leave conditions of when leave applies, how long you have to have worked in a place to acquire a certain amount of days and so on and so forth. I think in the agricultural space, the contracts, employment contracts differ a little bit in that we know we have to be specific to the sector. So, of course, one can have a general one, but in agriculture, you find that you have to be a little bit more specific to what that person is doing because different people have different roles on a farm, for example. So it can never be a general contract where you have one contract and it fits all. That wouldn't work. So sometimes there's just a situation signing a piece of paper as a contract. Can you share the key tips of what makes an employment contract valid? Things farmers and farm workers need to look out for. So, I mean, any piece of paper that you sign, whatever's written in it and you sign it, that is an agreement in itself. But obviously, you can't put in things there that are, first of all, impossible to do or are illegal. That would be the first two things that you can't put there that somebody has to work for you 24 hours. It's illegal and it's impossible. So it has to be practical to the particular circumstances that we're talking about. A lot of agricultural contracts, for example, will have terms about you know where somebody lives if you live on the farm it tends to have a part about your accommodation who can live with you in that accommodation and you you sign and agree according to that obviously your salary is important as well that is stated whether you work per hour or you put it as in like somebody earns a hundred rand an hour or x amount of thousand rands a, a month And what does that mean? You know, so that has to be very clear. It's very important that all contracts, employee contracts, any type of contract has to be very specific and clear about what is the expectations, because we will rely on that contract should there ever be a dispute between employers and employees. And then also important to talk about what happens if we do have a dispute. 
So what happens if you don't come to work for five days? What are the consequences of that? That's important for it to be in that contract to talk about what happens if you are sick. Is there an expectation that you will hand in a sick form, a doctor's note after three days or not? You know, those are very important things to put in. So I think my advice to farmers is that you have to put in as much detail as possible in your contract because should there ever be a disagreement or a dispute that occurs, we rely on that piece of paper to see who is wrong in that particular situation and who is right. I know that you mentioned that farmers need to be very precise when it comes to their contracts, but what are the implied terms which are deemed to be in a contract between employer and employee, whether it's written down or not? Implied terms in an employee contract, obviously, is that there is some sort of relationship that's being built from an employment perspective. So that's implied, that's obvious. It is also obvious that, you know, there must be some sort of remuneration that's in there. But like I say, you know, over the years, we've learned that assuming that certain things are implied doesn't actually work because if someone contests that contract and then the argument is that, well, it's implied, that doesn't hold water because it shouldn't be implied. It should be in the contract and it should be written down. It should never be assumed that one party understood because one of the fundamental conditions of a contract, any contract, is that both parties must know what they're signing to. So if one party says, no, it wasn't that implied to me, like I wasn't aware, then that contract isn't valid in that specific thing that's being argued about that was assumed to be implied because it was not there and consensus must be reached. So it cannot be that somebody signs something and then the next party says, yeah, but you should have known. There's no such thing. People must know what they're signing to and what they're agreeing to, or rather in better terms, what they're contracting to. When people do not know or understand the agreement, um, is there a period of time that there's a potential that farm workers are given the time to read through the contract to be able to have some time to look at what is actually expected from them? And just on another note, what can actually be left out of a contract? What is legally something that can be left out, but is supposed to be done within the workspace? Well, you would assume so. If I give somebody a, a work contract to say, well, this is your contract for employment. If you accept it, please sign at the bottom. It is assumed that the person will read through the contract, make sure that they understand what's in it, and then sign it. I would not advise anybody just to sign the minute somebody gives you a piece of paper without you having read it or understood it. We find in the agricultural sector that we write a lot of contracts in the language in which the person understands and reads. So we will draft contracts in Afrikaans, in English, in Xhosa, in whatever language it is that that particular farm worker understands and knows because then we are guaranteeing that whatever they sign, when they sign, they fully understood what they're signing up to. So that's the first part. The second part of your question about whether or not there are things that can be left out. I would like to reiterate that there are things that cannot be left out because otherwise then we don't have consensus. You know, So it's almost like you are being a bit naughty by leaving certain things out, although you expect that person to be able to perform those duties or to have knowledge of the responsibility they have within their employment. So that would make the contract also invalid by doing that. It's not necessarily illegal. So remember that there's two things. A contract can be invalid or it can be illegal, right? And invalid means that certain requirements of a contract were not fulfilled um, and therefore it's invalid, it's unenforceable. And then a contract can be illegal because you put in something there that is illegal by the law of South Africa and is protected by the constitution of 
of South Africa. And that's why I said to you, these two acts that we have that deal with employee rights and employer rights, the Basic Condition of Employment Act and the Labor Relations Act, that already states what is legal and what is illegal. So for example, you know, people must work X amount of hours a week. Anything more than that is overtime. If you don't pay overtime, then it's illegal, you know, and you have now broken the law in terms of South African law, not just the law or the relationship between yourself and that person that you are hiring. You can't leave things out and then expect people to know what it is that you expect of you of them. So it's very important that everything as much as possible is detailed. People are human. So obviously sometimes, you know, especially if you don't have advice of somebody that's in a labor law or in the law itself, doesn't advise you of how to draft your contracts, you can make mistakes. And it can be an honest mistake where you didn't include everything because you assumed that the employee will know or figure it out by themselves. But still, like I say, that can still lead to problems because the fact that you made a mistake or you didn't know does not take away the fact that then the contract is unenforceable, invalid or illegal. And after signing a contract, can changes be made to an employment contract? I'm quite aware that amendments can be made if it's instructed on a contract to be able to do so. But can a contract completely change or is it only amendment? Can you just help us with the legalities around that? Amendments just mean that you are changing one or two things on it. An addendum is that you are adding something to the contract. And then the actual employment contract can change in its entirety, obviously, because maybe as a manager and then next year you want to promote them to being an executive manager. And obviously, then that's a different contract with different responsibilities and duties. So therefore, you would then issue a new contract based on the new promotion that that person is doing. Again, one cannot just assume that, well, because we already have an employment contract, we just carry on even though I've promoted you and you're doing something different. I think in order to protect yourself as the employer, you would just draft a new contract and that's completely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You are just engaging again on other terms. If someone is promoted and they don't get a contract and they continue working within the field, but within a promoted or managerial position, isn't that alarming? Someone should obviously question that they don't have a new contract. So you answered the question. And my final question to you is, do you have any advice to farmers or farm workers regarding your any final words regarding contract, something that we haven't covered today? What's important, just to answer you again a little bit more to expand on the previous question, when someone then doesn't get a new contract but is promoted and is doing a new role and is earning maybe more money, that is implied then that there is a contract. Because remember, verbal contracts are contracts as well. So that would fall into the verbal contract space. And that's also fine. You can continue like that, but it is still dangerous because if a dispute happens, how are you going to prove it? Because now it's your word against someone else's word. And both of you decided that you did not put anything on paper. So that's very dangerous. It's not impossible. It happens all the time. A lot of people do that where they'll hire somebody off the streets and say, come work in my house. I'll give you 50 rands a day. That's a verbal contract. And if indeed I give them 50 rands a day and they're actually there at my house working every day, then we have a, a contract in place, except the reason why we want written contracts instead of verbal agreements is that then should there be a dispute, we can argue on paper and not me versus the other person, my word versus theirs. Because then, then it's very difficult to resolve the dispute if we have no proof of what either is saying. 
So verbal contracts, they do happen and it does happen, but I would definitely say, please don't do verbal agreements. Everything must be written down whenever there's a change in the relationship or there's a promotion or whatever. The employee asks you for a favor and says, can I start working six hours instead of the eight hours a day? Then write it down to say on this and this day, we agreed that we're going to minimize your time to six hours for this reason. And therefore your remuneration is less or, or whatever the case might be. So that's important and it also goes into one of the tips that I would give farmers that please, you know, be clear and also remember that the requirements of a contract, a valid contract in terms of a written one is that to be an offer. So obviously employer offers the job, the employee has to accept it. So that's the second part, acceptance. And then there's consideration, you know, so thinking, accepting, understanding what you're getting into. There must be intention between both parties to create a legal relationship between each other and what they're going to do. And then authority, authority means that the farmer or the employer has the authority to hire that person. And that person has capacity, which is the sixth element, has capacity to enter into such an agreement. So a good example of that is that I cannot enter into a contract with a 13-year-old. They do not have capacity. They need to be 18 in order to enter into an agreement like that. And then certainty, certainty meaning that, you know, we both all agree and understand what are the expectations from both sides and both parties are happy with it. So if farmers and farm workers keep all of this in mind that I've just mentioned, then the relationship should be smooth and easy to manage because we all understand what we are doing. Thank you so much for joining us here on Farmers Inside Track Atejo. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Now that's a wrap from me, Donumdu, Octavius Pandil, our producer Megan van der Fent, and the rest of the Food from Zanzi team have an absolutely amazing week. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.